I think from an HR perspective, we often look through the lens of the organization. For example, I think over the past number of years, employee life cycle has almost become synonymous with the employee experience. And while that cycle is interesting, right, when we're going through various time periods, it's, it's helpful, but employees don't see their experiences as where they are in the life cycle. They don't think to themselves, oh, I'm being onboarded today, right? Or I'm being developed today. everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. Today's guest is Gary Beckstrand. He's the vice president of the OC Tanner Institute. Now, OC Tanner is a recognition company who's really focused on aligning people with their passion and their purpose. And OC Tanner does a tremendous amount of research on the employee experience. Now, I just threw out a bunch of nerdy HR terms like recognition and employee experience, and Gary and I talk about those terms and what it really means for modern leaders and the people that they support. I'm super lucky to be partnering in the month of August with OC Tanner on a webinar series called the Culture Trends Tour. This is not an advertisement for that. This is an honest-to-goodness conversation about leadership and employee experience in 2020 and beyond, but we do offer information in the show on how you can download a really great report called the Global Culture Report and how you can sign up for the Culture Trends Tour. Again, not a commercial. I love this conversation with Gary. That's why I brought it to you. So sit tight and I'll be right back with Gary Beckstrand and more of Punk Rock HR. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Laurie. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure to have you. It's kind of exciting because we are going to be partners in a journey that we're going to talk about in a second. But before we do any sort of official podcasting, why don't you tell people who you are and where you're coming to us from today? So my name is Gary Beckstrand, and I work for a great organization, OC Tanner. And we're all about helping employees and helping organizations create workplace environments where people can thrive and do their best work. Been with LC Tanner for, wow, almost 21 years. Seems incredible. Yeah, never thought I'd be at any single organization for more than five years, quite honestly. Well, for such a young millennial that you are, I'm really surprised. Well, you're too kind. I, <laughs> I, will, I will be uh, very honest. I'm a tail end baby boomer for sure. My goodness. Well, you're doing great. Where are you from? Are you in Utah today? So I'm in Utah today. Our headquarters are in Salt Lake City. So that's where I live as well. I'm actually in an upstairs bedroom of my home as we all adapt to working from home and working remotely, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what OC Tanner does, because some people may know OC Tanner from previous iterations of the company. Who is OC Tanner today? So OC Tanner today is in some ways true to its very foundation from its original start. We really, at our core, at our heart and soul of our organization, we're all about people and the value of people and the ability of humans to come together to do great things. And so we have for years and years kind of evolved to approach our business in new and different ways. But in its core is how do we acknowledge the great work that people do and not only the work they do, but how they individually or uniquely contribute. What is it about you, Laurie, for example, that makes you great, that allows you to do great work? It's not just the work. I mean, that's important. 
We're all about results and, and that's important in any business, but it's as important for us to really acknowledge people for what they do because we find that employees who feel recognized, who feel appreciated, do great work. Their confidence increases, they're more engaged. The connection with the organization to one another gets better. And so that's what we're all about. Everything we do is to create positive employee experiences that are meaningful and memorable so that we accomplish what we're all out to accomplish together. Well, right there, I'd love to stop you because we use this word in the world of human resources, employee experience. And I think it's thrown around and means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So can you tell us how you define it and what it means to you? Well, let me tell you how it's typically defined and how we see it differently. I think from an HR perspective, we often look through the lens of the organization. For example, I think over the past number of years, employee life cycle has almost become synonymous with the employee experience. And while that cycle is interesting, right, when we're going through various time periods, it's, it's helpful. But employees don't see their experiences as where they are in the life cycle. They don't think to themselves, oh, I'm being onboarded today, right? Or <laughs> no. I'm being developed today. <laughs> and a lot of the work that we've done, a lot of the research we've done over the last four or five years has really been primarily from the employee's perspective, not from the organization's perspective, but we've really wanted to understand how do people see their jobs and see their roles? And to answer your question, how do they view their experience? Their experience is every, well, it's made up of thousands of micro experiences that we all experience from day to day, right? It's every email read, every conversation had, recognition received or not received, every interaction with our leader. Is it easy or difficult to get access to the tools that we need to do our job? That's the employee experience. And it's in that context that I think we as leaders have to remember that our primary role is to influence and create experiences that are meaningful and put people in the best possible place to succeed. Well, I can't argue with any of that. I think that's a pretty good definition and a unique way and actually an accurate way of defining employee experience because you're so right. It really doesn't matter if we're in performance management season or benefit season. It's all about what the individual sees as his or her opportunities or strengths or things that they need to work on. So I want to talk a little bit more about speaking of that employee experience because I wonder if there are certain aspects of that experience that matter more than others when it comes to creating a satisfying work environment? Yes, it's a great question. And a couple of years back, we asked that almost that exact question, quite honestly, right? We were trying to understand if experiences are made up of that day-to-day -day interactions and all those things, are there elements or, or certain things that are more critical to an employee, right? That really matter most to them. And a couple of years ago, we did some global research. It was published in our 2020 Global Culture Report. But we discovered there are six key areas that are most important to employees relative to culture and their experience that really have an impact on their decision to join, engage with, or do their best work and stay at any organization. And the six areas are, we call them talent magnets because of their power to attract and connect people to the organization and one another. But real quickly, there are six. There's one is purpose, right? Your organization's noble cause, its reason for being. People want to connect to purpose now more than ever. And actually, we've seen an increase in that during these uncertain times, right? Since March, you know, until now, in times of uncertainty, that desire to connect or to understand how their work aligns to what matters most to the organization is a big deal to them. 
Yeah, it's a big deal to me. I feel that every day in my life now more than ever. And I know people listening to the podcast have written to me and they've been previously cynical about how purpose has been manipulated by a lot of employers, but they really feel now more than ever that lovely phrase that if they're not doing meaningful work, what's the point of enduring a pandemic? So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I get yeah. purpose. That is a talent magnet. Absolutely. What else? The next one is this notion of opportunity, which isn't new, right? We all are looking for opportunities for growth and development. But more than the traditional job promotions or increases in pay, people are really wanting to have a voice and to do meaningful work, which you just talked about, right? It's, it's a close sibling to purpose in many ways. And so that's the good news because we can, as leaders and organizations, we can affect that more than the traditional dollars and cents aspect of things, right? So that's important opportunity. The third is employees want to know what success looks like for the organization, for department, for the team, but most importantly, for themselves, right? What does that really look like? And we don't have the luxury anymore to define success as merely the absence of failure. <laughs> People want to know, what do I need to do? What does that look like for me to be successful and to have those successful opportunities or experiences within my team, right? You know, a lot of companies define success as, are you productive? Because if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. <laughs> and that's been the methodology of a lot of organizations. And I think you're right. That attitude, although it's prevalent in a lot of organizations, it just does not cut the mustard in 2020. It doesn't. You're right. I mean, again, as leaders, we've got to understand and pay the price to really know our people and to really help them, one, experience success on a regular basis, but two, have a pretty good feel for, again, it kind of connects back to that sense of opportunity. How do we mold that experience? for them to create short-term successes, but what does that look over a period of time for them? And what is that path? What is that connection, if you will? Another of the six areas is notion of appreciation. And we could spend the entire you know, half hour together talking about that. But people want to know, they want to be acknowledged for the work they do. I mentioned this earlier. They just want to be acknowledged, first and foremost. And then if we go you know, past that and really express that appreciation through effective recognition, again, not just for the result, but for how they uniquely contribute, especially with the younger generations. I want to know how I'm, I'm speaking like I'm a younger generation. I just I admitted already I'm, called I'm, you I'm a millennial. Come on world. now. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're, you're so kind. But we just want to know, we want to feel like we're making a difference, right? There's something unique about us that contributes. And it's not like we want to compete or take away from the great work from anyone else. We just want to know why we do what we do and be acknowledged for that. That was a critical one. I think too often we just focus too much on results, which again, isn't a bad thing. Essentially, I had an interesting experience with a company and they were wondering they had in place a lot of incentive programs and they, from our evaluation, they were doing everything well in terms of incentives, but they were frustrated because their engagement levels were still really low. And so we went in and it didn't take us long, right? As we did some focus groups and started to talk to employees because it became clear and evident that the employees, they said, well, it's obvious that the organization, our leaders value the work being done. We're just not sure they value us doing the work. And, you know, that's so important, you know? Younger generations in particular, I don't think they're much different than my generation in the sense of, I think they get a bad rap sometimes. I think they're looking for the same things we were looking for. It's just they're less patient, right? My generation, we had this badge of honor that we endure hard things, right? So if the company didn't quite live up, you know, walk the talk, so to speak, that was okay. We just fought through it, right? And I think the younger generations are just saying, no, we want the same things. But if we're not going to walk the talk, if we're going to say one thing and do another, then 
shoot, I'm going to maybe go find somewhere else, right? That makes sense. Absolutely. So are there two more talent magnets? There are two more. Yeah, I, I thought I was counting, right? I'm writing them down. So Thank you. So another is this notion of well-being. To summarize, well-being is employees just want to know their company and leaders care about them. That's the best way to phrase that. Not just their physical wellness, right? But their emotional and social wellness. And organizations, you know, we that whole well-being category, we had great intention to address that, but we did it, approach it the wrong way. It became very evident that really the reason we were most interested is just to reduce overhead, right? And reduce healthcare expenses. And I think it's this notion of how do we really communicate that we do care about them and have our employees' best interests in mind. The last one is leadership. Employees want to work for leaders who have their best interests in mind, who are mentors, who are advocates, right? And we could talk about leadership. That's a big area of our research is this notion of traditional versus modern leadership and and how that works to really affect the employee experience as well. Yeah, I would love to take the conversation there because in doing some of my prep for the interview, I realized that you have a point of view on the old way of leadership versus a 21st century methodology. So can you talk a little bit about that and why that differentiation is so important? Yes. We've come up with three terms to kind of identify this notion of traditional versus modern leadership. So I'll start with traditional and then talk a little bit about modern. We'll compare the two. Traditional leaders, they primarily direct, evaluate, and gatekeep. And you take those individually, they're not necessarily bad things. Again, that's how I was trained in my early years as a leader, right? My primary responsibility was to give direction, right? Based on my experience, it was to go in and say, here's kind of what needs to be done. Go do it and please come back and report. Secondly, I was responsible for evaluation, right? How are people doing? Are they doing what we need them to do? And all of that, again, in itself, not necessarily a bad thing. And then for whatever reason, we kind of thought through that our role was to gatekeep. And in some odd way, maybe that was making it easier for team members. So we'd hold back information or it's kind of a, I'll I'll share on a need to know basis, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Based on the hierarchy of where you belong. Right. right. And, and, And that leads to kind of this centralized authority and whatnot. And again, in and of themselves, those are not necessarily bad, but if you compare them to what modern leaders are doing, right? And quite honestly, there's an outright rejection of traditional leadership right now in the workplace. And again, especially with the younger generations, but not just millennials or Gen Z, you know, just every generation. I think even baby boomers are tired of it, right? Yeah, I would imagine they've been putting up with it a long time. Yeah. But modern leaders, okay, instead of direct, their primary focus is to mentor. Okay. And it kind of sounds like it's just semantics, but it really isn't when you think about it. And instead of evaluating, they're developing. I mean, instead of gatekeeping, they're connecting. And when you think about that difference, let's say you're going into a one to one with your leader and he or she's a traditional leader. Maybe as a leader, I ask a simple question Hey, how's that project going? Well, if you think I'm in evaluation mode, is that going to affect the answer you give me? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I was trained early on, it was not a good thing to admit weakness or admit that I had a question I didn't have an answer. If I had an issue, I had to bring solutions or recommendations already to it. And I wasn't able to really be vulnerable, right? Now, switch that up and say, if you're going in and the modern leader, you have the sense of he or she's developing you, that's a very different 
response to that same question. Suddenly, I feel comfortable saying, well, you know, it's going really well. Let me give you the update, this, this. But there are a couple of things, man, I have looked at every which way but loose, but I can't figure it out. Can you help me? What's your experience? Or do you know others in the organization that maybe you could direct me to or connect me to? And suddenly that interaction becomes much different and much more effective, if you will. Again, the difference is modern leaders, the whole atmosphere is I have your best interests in mind. I want you to succeed. I am here for you, as opposed to, no, I'm directing, evaluating, gatekeeping. Again, so mentoring or coaching, you're still, it's not like we stop giving directions, right? It's not like as a leader, we advocate, you know, or we just say, hey, we're just going to let you swim on your own. We're still giving direction. But if it's given in a way of coaching or guidance, as opposed to imperatives, that's really different, right? And then this whole notion of difference between gatekeeping and connection, where transparency, modern leaders share information. They can't share information fast enough. It's got to be at a rapid pace. And again, that's one thing we've noticed during the COVID crisis that employees, we've been measuring employee sentiment since early March every week through this crisis. And it's fascinating that employees are just wanted to have more and more information. Give me information. Tell it to me straight, good or bad. And I think modern leaders get that. And when you do that, it opens up opportunities for collaboration and connection, not just within the team, but outside the team as you're starting to share information and connect them with others. And that approach makes all the difference. Well said in kind of encapsulating the world of traditional versus modern leadership. I think, though, there is a challenge, whether you fall in that traditional bucket or that modern bucket of really addressing what's most important to employees. So I wonder, what is most important to employees in 2020? And what are the things that leaders can do to really reinforce that? And maybe it is just connecting, developing, getting out of the way. (laughs) But what are the expectations of employees, truly? Well, part of it is the approach, right? Part of it is how you lead. And that's those characteristics of modern leadership, right? That as you interact with your employees, you're mentoring, developing, connecting. I think as leaders, Laura, I think you probably agree with me. Most of us who have had opportunities to lead really receive that opportunity based on our ability to do, right? We were great doers for the most part. We accomplished our objectives. We met our goals. We delivered results. But that doesn't necessarily translate into great leadership, right? And I think once leaders realize that their primary responsibility is no longer to be the doer, right? That they're not necessarily the smartest person in the room (laughs) in any given situation, right? It was interesting. I was at a conference in London when we were still able to travel and I was sitting next to a gentleman and he was saying for the first time in history, I can't remember the actual statistic, but I'll paraphrase. He said that the majority of leaders now are supervising or responsible for people who actually know more about that job than the leader does. Now think about that one for a minute. I mean, that's so different than when I was growing up in my career, right? The leader was always the smartest person person in the room, or at least assumed to be that. And so it shifts, it changes. And so, you know, how we approach it is a big thing. But I think it's also, we have to realize that we have to get work done through others. So our primary role is that of an influencer, not as a doer anymore. And that takes work. That's a different skill set. That takes us out, most of us out of our comfort zone. And so when we think about how am I influencing, the way I like to think about it as simply as possible is every day as a leader, I should be thinking about finding an opportunity or opportunities to connect 
or to create an experience with my employees around those things that matter most. And we talked about those six areas, which is a good model. How am I connecting them to purpose? How am I reminding them of how their work really makes a difference in terms of what matters most to the organization? How am I creating opportunities for them? How am I helping them experience small wins and successes and make progress along the way? How am I appreciating and acknowledging their efforts and calling out when they get great results and and expressing that recognition on a frequent basis? How am I communicating and letting them know that I'm responsible for their well-being? How am I clearing the path for them? How am I asking questions more than how's that project going? Where are you stuck and how can I help you get unstuck? All of those sorts of things, yeah. So I love this idea that we're really honing in on what makes an organization great. And so some people call that culture, some people call that environment or preference or sentiment. But I wonder if you had one lever you can pull to begin moving a company in the right direction towards modern leadership, towards a passion for the employee experience, what would you do? I have to admit, I'm, I'm a bit biased in my response because of what I've been doing the last 20 plus years. But it's not just based on my experience. You know, I have the opportunity of leading a great research team. And everything we talk about or implement or products that we develop, we strive to base it on empirical data, right? Of really making sure that we're not just maintaining the status quo of of what we've always thought to be the case. But the simple answer is recognition. If there is one thing that an organization could look at strategically and do a better job of moving from independent kind of standalone programs or initiatives to start to build recognition, to align to strategy and really reinforce values and business objectives and move towards integrating recognition so that it becomes part of a culture where it moves from something that we ask leaders to do that just eventually becomes who we are, then we just do it. And I work for, you know, a recognition company, right? And so I'm spoiled in that regard because we do it well. We're not perfect, but we do it well at OC Tanner. But the data indicates that. I love the definition of appreciation. It's really a three-part definition. It's a deep awareness and understanding first. And I think as leaders, we have to pay the price to really become aware and understand the value of our people what they do, how they do it, where we can help them get better. And then the second part of the definition is that expression of approval or gratitude. And that's recognition. And too often we think, oh, I appreciate so-and-so and they're naturally going to get that because I feel that way. They should know that I feel that way. You think about, you know, when people get married, if you say to your spouse, hey, I love you. And if that ever changes, I'll let you know. That just doesn't work. But in business, sometimes we think that way, right? Yeah, that's well put. Absolutely. And so that expression of appreciation and acknowledgement leads to the third part of the definition, which is a rise in value. And typically we use that to describe financial results, right? Or appreciation in terms of assets. But I think it really applies to human connection and relationships and great work where we start to build connections with one another so that we can even have difficult, tough conversations. But it's in context. If the people that work with me know that I acknowledge and understand the great work that they do, when there's a tough issue that we have to talk about, they'll listen to me. If they don't feel that way, and I go in on things that we need to address, they get defensive and they'll back up and go, God, he doesn't, he doesn't even know what I do. So it really, of all the things we've measured, of all the variables, recognition, by far, it has a disproportionate impact on improving all of the perceptions or feelings around those six areas that are most important to him. 
purpose, opportunity, success, appreciation, well-being, and leadership, right? Every single one of those. Well, I love that we're kind of starting to wrap up in a place where we started with really talking about those talent magnets, because your organization has written a white paper on the six essential aspects of workplace culture. And I want to include it in our show notes, because I just find it to be so important and so valuable. You've also in this conversation, Gary, referenced the Global Culture Report. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's an annual report comes out in September of every year. It's global. Um, I think last year it was informed by over 20,000 leaders and employees and 12.8 million data points, something like that. So this year we're expanding that. I think it'll be informed by over 40,000 folks from across the globe. Because again, we're trying to understand culture, not just in North America, but from a global perspective and to really better understand nuances that come out of that. But we're interested. And again, it's really the focus is on the employee perspective. And so in the past, we've really looked at this notion of experiences and connections and things of that nature. And this year, we're going to focus and talk a little bit more about inclusivity and delve a little bit deeper in terms of leadership and dive a little bit deeper in generational differences. So our goal is every year to update and to measure. We've developed indices, right, of how we're doing around culture, but to create insights or new ways to think about it that leaders can leverage and organizations can inform their culture strategies and how they move forward from year to year. Well, one of the interesting things that we are going to do together, I'm going to partner with O.C. Tanner to participate in the Culture Trends Tour, which is a tour that brings together HR leaders, experts, and professionals to really connect and talk about those insights from your 2020 Global Culture Report. So I'm just excited and honored to participate in it. And then that leads into your event in September, if I'm not mistaken, which is Influence Greatness. And so you've got a lot going on. If people want to know more about you, Gary, or where to download all of this information, where do you send people? The best place goes octanner.com or influencegreatness.com. Those would be the two best places to go. octanner.com, you can click on some real easy links to get access to our IP and our insights and, and other valuable information. And we are thrilled to have you participate with us in our regional events as well. I look forward to your being a panelist and having you participate and share your insights as well. Yeah, I'm so super stoked because one of the opportunities here is to really talk to your customers and then to talk to people who are interested in culture, recognition, all the different talent magnets that you talked about, really understand what's happening in the modern organization and what we as HR professionals can do to enable a more modern form of leadership. And I think maybe we can end on that note because I wonder what you see as HR's role in this big universe that you've created. What are some things that HR HR needs to be thinking about at this moment. I think there's a real opportunity where we've talked a lot about these principles for quite some time. Some of them aren't necessarily new. I mean, there's some new ways to think about it and to move forward. But I think one of the silver linings coming out of this COVID situation is it's exposed both our strengths and weaknesses from a culture standpoint. And those organizations that had strong cultures going into this crisis have fared very well. And those who haven't have struggled. And I think it's provided us opportunities to maybe think about how we address policy changes or how we approach things differently or maybe give information or incentive, if you will, to HR leaders to really take them over the finish line on some things that they've been trying to influence in that organization. I think the 
other silver lining is we've discovered this notion of valuing people and the importance of the work they do and how they do their work is stronger than ever. And I think even executive teams, as they've had to communicate more and find ways to connect, that now's the time for HR to double down, if you will, and champion people and to say, let's start to invest and do some things differently. Let's help our leaders move from traditional to modern leaders and let's hold them accountable. If we had more time, we could run through all sorts of data. I mean, the difference is staggering. All the negativity around traditional leadership, we don't get just a neutral. We get all the positivity on the upside. And I think the focus is we've got to take action. We've got to prioritize and make a difference. And now's a great opportunity to do that and allows us to step back and maybe give us permission to address some things we haven't gotten to before. Well, we began the conversation by talking about how we are not living through a pandemic to do mediocre work. And I think a lot of HR professionals are feeling that. So I love the resources that you've given today. We'll have them all in the show notes, along with links to the Culture Trends Tour that I'll be doing with you, as well as all of the different reports that we have. And what they are is really a resource library for modern HR professionals who are looking to rethink the world of work and to do things differently. So Gary, it was really super interesting to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gary Backstrand of the OC Tanner Institute. Gary dropped a lot of knowledge, and we've got some links for you for the Global Culture Report, the Culture Trends Tour, the Talent Magnets concept. All of that will be in the show notes at laurierudeman.com forward slash punkrockhr dash 120. I hope to see you at the Culture Trends Tour, and honestly, that's about as commercially as I'm ever going to get. This episode of Punk Rock HR was produced, as always, by Danny Osmond and his team at Emerald City Production. I know you want a podcast because you email me with questions about podcasting, so head on over to emeraldcitypro.com, connect with Danny, ask him all the questions. He's got all the answers. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.